0: Welcome to the second episode of this Mission Somerset podcast Hello Hello Thank you for all the feedback that we got from our last episode We really appreciate it Um, And we really appreciated hearing your comments about how inspiring it was to hear about the story of how Mission Somerset began And we thought that this week we'd call this episode Harvesting Headaches Because we wanted to begin to explain what life has been like for us as we've followed Jesus into the harvest to make disciples and to plant churches and I wanted to read this proverb from Proverbs chapter 14 verse 4 uh, because it sums up very well what this episode is about and it says without oxen a stable stays clean but you need a strong ox for a large harvest and this basically sums up that if if we want to experience the harvest that Jesus has for us um, we have to be prepared to get our hands messy okay if we don't want to, Jesus to upset our nice routines our nice lives if we want to keep everything clean and tidy then we're not going to see any harvest uh, but if we want to see a large harvest we need a strong ox and a strong ox makes a lot of mess so this episode is about the mess that happens when you give your life to Work in the harvest, so we're going to talk a lot about some inspiring stories, some of the people and places that we've gone to, but also be very real about some of the headaches and challenges that 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 brings up so Jesus, we pray that today's episode would be an encouragement to people who are practically working in the harvest or thinking about starting to work in the harvest, and we pray that you know it will help a lot of people to do the same kind
1: of work that we're trying to do here in Somerset, Amen. Um. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, yeah, over to me. And so uh, yeah, my name's Jan, and um, so my passion is uh, uh, evangelism and bringing the gospel on the streets and street preaching. Uh, but be, and be, uh, when I first met Ben, um, and he's been a sort of uh, a sort of catalyst and uh, uh, um, sort of a focus point of. of um, me Ben and me Damien, we uh, I met uh, Damien through Ben, and we all we b all had a passion for, um, you know, bringing Matthew twenty four, which is um, about reaching the lost, uh, and bringing the word to all nations. Um, and so I, I I sort of started on this road of, of reaching out, knocking on people's doors, chatting with people, going in discussions, debates. Yes. On doorsteps, praying for people, uh, praying for healing of or, or for people, praying for uh, family and friends, yeah. and so. Um, so
0: you you were already doing that on your own, weren't you?
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah. God had given
0: you that passion.
1: Yeah and yeah and it was um, um, and then when I met Ben, he he sort of talked about the ne- the next step, uh, and you know I didn't sort of know there was another next step, uh, but it was about. Uh, um, people being inviting you into their house and reading the Bible and teaching them about about Jesus, and, and you look in the Bible and it says, of course, that's you know he's, he's Zacchaeus. He was uh, um, uh, invited Jesus to eat at his house, and uh, a door opened, um, uh, and he invited Jesus into his heart. Um, uh, and so Ben was sort of talking about doing this. We could do this. He'd done this. And when he talked about, it, I thought, "What Can you, is that really possible?" But it you know it lined up with with what Jesus was doing, the Gospels, what Paul was doing, and it was like uh, you know um, seemed sort of unreachable and and it's sort of you know miraculous that that could happen. And and as the weeks and days unfolded, we're working with Ben and uh, uh, me and Damien went out all out by ourselves, and suddenly we were in somebody's house and we were. Um, reading Bible and with people, and they they were reading passages and and getting uh, a sense of uh, the gospel getting under their skin. And uh, well, I think we went in. I remember uh, Natasha's going into Nat- Natasha's house, and she had a, f- a friend staying called Sarah, because uh, she'd she'd broken up with her partner. Her child was living at the same house as Natasha. Nat- Natasha had a, an inter- interesting. Uh, with the occult and paganism, and so she she had was familiar with inviting spirits into her house, whether it was through seances i wasn 't too sure, but she knew that at the temperature of a, the atmosphere of a a room when uh, there was a spiritual presence, and she said when we walked in the room, the temperature completely changed, and there was a, a spirit of peace. And she knew there was, some, there was something ha- happening and it was palpable. She could feel it in the air and it was something that caught her attention. And so she was listening to what we were saying and and, and she was reading bits of uh, the Gospels. Um, so, you know, it it, it just um, echoed the, the thing of what it says in, in the Gospels, that we bring our peace in, into uh, people's house and, and we can either leave that there or take it away. And there was somebody... Uh, as a witness to that that moment, so that's probably like um, it, just a little thing that happened. It really encouraged us quite, quite early on. Not just, but not just that, but the fact that we were in somebody's house and we were talking about the gospel and they were listening and they wanted to to know more. Uh, which uh, for a, a, a Christian, it's just so exciting, amazing. Uh, I remember, we we came out of that house just laughing and and being really excited and thrilled at what had happened. Um, so yeah, that was just a taster, I think. So yeah. And you mentioned about, um,
0: giving peace, saying peace to households. Um, so I presume that you're meaning from Matthew 10 and Luke 10, mm-hmm. which is when Jesus sent his disciples out in twos mm-hmm. to new towns and villages to look for, um, Jesus called them people of peace. Mm-hmm. And I think what, you know, what you've just said really is, it, it shares what the first headache that often I've come across is that people really passionate, they go out, they pray, maybe they they see someone healed they they tell people about Jesus, maybe they're even knocking on doors, but they seem to to hit a barrier um and that first headache is how do we get beyond we're sowing lots of seed, we're doing lots of activity, but actually we feel as a team that Jesus has called us to make disciples and to plant churches. So I think that mm. first headache is how do you get beyond just doing seed sowing and evangelism mm. to actually finding those people of peace? Mm. Would that be fair to say?
1: Yeah, and, and uh, you know, uh, putting that seed, the fertile soil, the person of peace, and watering it and and starting to see that grow. And that that is, um, you know, amazing, exciting breakthrough um, because potentially that person uh, can and grow and become a leader and invite people into the house, and which is um, a, the book of Acts. And, we, and we, we're, we're seeing that to, to a certain extent, um, and that's really exciting. But um, another thing, just to ha- hand you over to um, um, Damien, is that uh, tell us about the, that, that day we walked past a, bu- a, a bus stop in Yeovil. Uh, near tesco's by the multi story car park we just come out on the state and we' walk in, and you and you sensed there were some people some young people uh, in the bus shelter, and you sensed something about going over, and I did as well, and we just turned and we went over to these to uh Rochelle and and james can you, can you remember that bit
2: uh, yes, I do um, for those of you who are um, hearing um basically what we are saying to give you just a little bit of a background story uh what i have discovered when i've been out on the streets now uh, my experience with mission isn't as far as it bans and jans going mine's just more recent um whenever we are out on the streets it seems like the spirit tells one of us Mm. do something yeah And what I discovered is, if I'm disobedient, and I don't do it because maybe I don't trust my senses, and maybe I'm thinking I'm not sure about this, what happens is usually the other person does exactly the same thing immediately the moment you refuse, which I found that to be quite interesting. So here we come out of the estate by Tesco's, and there's like a household estate, literally opposite of Tesco, and I seen, Um, these young people sitting at the bus station and the Holy Spirit came very gently and said go to them and tell them about me and I was thinking they don't look like the kind of people that I would normally would approach (laughs) not that I knew a lot about mission but I said to myself well if I don't go then surely the Holy Spirit will go and tell Jan to do it and I was like no I'm not going to give him that opportunity I'm going to go for it myself (laughs) so (laughs) we crossed the road and we walked up to them And uh, what came out of that day is um, all of them got baptised within weeks. When you mean all of them got baptised, what do you actually mean, Damien? I mean in every sense of the word, they have given their lives to Jesus. Who? Just those two people, right? Um, To begin with, it was two, but then it started to be more. Okay. So in total... In a few weeks' time, these people got asked to know more people, and it was about uh, five, four people that got baptised in the same day. Mm.
1: Yeah. Okay, so... Can I just just finish that? Because the the reason why they were at the the bus stop and... is that uh, they were... um, Oh, I've got to say this, that, that... and, and Rochelle wouldn't mind because the, they were involved with with it was a drug deal, and um, and they were waiting for the guy to come off the, the historic car park and say yes, it, it, you know, they were um, ready. We can have you, and that's how the meeting ended with them. But before that, uh, Damon prayed for Rochelle, and I, I prayed for for James. And James had uh, like a, um, he had a yellow jaw, he was jaundiced. I don't know what to do with the drugs deal had gone wrong or something. And, um, and I prayed for his jaw and I prayed for his head, um, that, that, uh, that afternoon and, um, um, and there was, uh, and in the weeks, the week that followed, there was, uh, something he pointed out that, uh, where he'd fallen out of a building basically and he nearly hit, a, his head nearly hit a wall and he just missed. Um, by inches and what the nurses said at the hospital when he was taken is that it was in, an incredible thing that his head wasn't uh, injured from that fall because it was quite high up uh, that he'd actually jumped um, and it was to do with he, he'd uh, um, taken some crack cocaine and he had a huge panic attack and he basically jumped out of the third floor window uh, and and, it's, and he basically hit, hit a hedge and not this wall um, so his head was protected that day, and uh, he came out with it in surprisingly small injuries. Um, but yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, you're going to say. Uh, sorry. So I
0: just you know wanted to sort of kind of linger on that point that you know I think a, a big a big headache arises when you make finding people of peace your clear intention. So for us as a team, you know, we used to meet in Weatherspoons on, um, was it Tuesday? Yeah, Yeah. In every Euro- Tuesday morning, we'd yeah. gather as a team in Weatherspoons. In Yeovil, yeah. And um, probably Jan and Damien got very annoyed with me because all I ever used to say was, why are we here, what's our purpose, what's our vision? To to really instill in this idea that we weren't just coming uh, to this town Yeovil to pray for people or to heal people or to share the gospel. Amazing as all those things are, we were there to find people that wanted to know more about Jesus. And actually that those people would be the kind of people that Jesus talks about in Matthew 10 and Luke 10, who would open up their whole household of people because we were wanting to start a church there. We were wanting to find people that were open to Jesus, open to us, but also open to gathering uh, with other people. And if you start doing that kind of work and focusing on that, you'll get lots of headaches, you'll get challenges in your own life, your cars will break down. Lots of things will happen. Often I've had lots of stories about people will get um, trials and not often persecution from, from fellow believers who don't think that people should be doing that kind of work. All sorts of things will come out. But if you can get through that headache and set your intention that you're going to go and find those people, then the stable will become really, really, really messy. Mm. And um, there'll be great joy. So, so having, having gone with that intention and as Jan explained, you know, finding these people who, I mean, it's miraculous really, they seem to be so prepared by Jesus. Mm -hmm. You're then, you're then in their world, Mm -hmm. which in our experience is a million miles from the neat, tidy rows of a church that maybe we've grown up in. And it's complete chaos, but somehow the kingdom is coming and Damon, I wonder if you could just talk about what that is like and maybe some of the, the headaches or challenges that arise as we begin to meet with these new disciples.
2: Well. <clears throat> like Ben says, my calling is to form Christ in people. And I suppose you can imagine having a, a baby if you're a lady. You probably know them best what that feels like. Waking up at night because your baby's crying and he's hungry. Having to feed him five, six times a day. Having all the nappies. The restlessness you have after not being asleep. It really feels like that. Uh, There is numerous nights when I don't sleep myself In the team, Ben and Jan, they don't sleep either. We wake up, I believe it's by the Holy Spirit, we wake up like two, three between 2 and 4 o'clock, every night. There are nights when we don't sleep at all, but we stay on our knees and uh, our faces bowed to the floor and seeking the Lord and asking Him for wisdom. And how can you change something that people got used to for over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and suddenly here you are telling them, well, you know you live this way now. You have to give up on the way you know and live God's way, which is holy, which is pure. No more smoking, no more adultery, no more sexual immorality. Uh, You know, it's basically trying to imply the rules of Bible in their lives. And you expect them to walk when they have never even had anything like this before. And it's not an easy task because whenever you are confronted with people, the variety of people... Is immense. Each one has its own way of walk in this life and it struggles with different things mm. and um, if you don't have the Holy Spirit and you don't have God on your side then you're really hitting your head against the wall because all you have done you literally drain some people into water and no change is produced and if there is no change produced then there is no birth and Jesus says that you have to be born again in order for you to see the kingdom of God. And uh, the greatest headaches, I suppose, are praying through the night, that in the morning you have God and the Holy Spirit with you, that when you go and meet these people whom you baptised, that the Holy Spirit will convict them, that He will use you, that He will fill you, that He will fill them, that they come to understand the mind of Christ. Thus, Christ is being formed in them, and that they fall in love with Jesus, and they change.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think Damien's really explained, you know, the headache, you know, and all of these things, we're calling them headaches, but they're good challenges. You know, they're, they're, they're things that are normal when we want to make disciples. And I think, you know, what Damien is saying is, you know, we're, we're not as a team looking for converts. We're not just looking for people who will join our team to make us look successful or fruitful we're actually looking for people who are going to be disciple making disciple makers and um, you know a lot of the people that have been baptized we we were looking as a team the other day um, to try and remember how many people have been baptized in the last few years and i think we're up to about 40 people who have been baptized in the last five years um, and Probably at least 35 or 36 of them are just people that before would have had no, no connection with any church or no knowledge of Jesus, really. But we're not, we're not just trying to get them to pray a prayer or come to a Bible study once a week. We're actually, as Damon said, looking to see Christ formed in them deeply mm. to the point where they are then discipling the people they know. So it's a massive headache. And, you know, Damien won't mind me saying that sometimes we've come home and we've just got on our knees, haven't we? Mm. Because these people that we love and we're looking to disciple, the issues in their life seem so deep-rooted. You know, they've had generations and generations of abuse um, in their family, generations of addiction. And, you know, seeing them baptised and filled with the Spirit, it's just the start. And, um you know, labouring in prayer to see Christ formed in them like we see in the Bible, it 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 messes up your whole life. And like Damon said, it's like having these newborn babies in your life where you can't tell them to shut up. You can't say to them, Oh, please be quiet, I need to sleep. You're there, you're you know, you're you're taking responsibility and caring for them.
1: So, um yeah, and anything
0: to add around this? Well, yeah,
1: I I just this I think the story about um uh jake and he, he 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 came and was baptized and um in, in a river in a weir uh, here near locally uh, to Yeovil. and and um it was you know, a really beautiful day and um i think with some other people got baptized and w- and he was somebody that uh was looking at um going to prison drug dealing um, there, there was something imminent that he was. There was a, a court order uh, for him to uh, to attend and be present at, a, at a, a court summons, and he was looking to be going to prison that weekend. Um, and this, um, and we we said we'd pray about it, uh, and the whole thing seemed to just disappear, and this burden that was on his back just suddenly disappeared. I remember that that one thing, and and he he. Cited, you know, that we had prayed for it, and he see he didn't see it as just a coincidence. A coincidence. He saw it as as, as God intervening in that. And uh, and as the sort of weeks and months sort of rolled out, we saw less of him, and then suddenly we saw him months later. And what was really surprising was that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, was still doing a work within him, and he'd had a lot of flack from his brother about being a Christian. On Facebook attacking him, and he was defending uh, his faith, and and growing and standing his ground, and to us where we had not been around at all, um, we hadn't been much contact with him. The Holy Spirit was there doing a the work in him, and and because we we he'd gone through baptism. And we'd set him up with. It's not to do with us. It's the Holy Spirit that can do. Uh, and you know, at three o'clock in the morning when somebody's got to make a decision that's going to change their life. It's not us that's going to be there. It's our prayer life, yeah, that we can pray for those people. But but the Holy Spirit is there trying to just um, tilt their mind in one direction. Uh, and, and and praise can we praise Jesus? We just praise Jesus for that. It's nothing to do with us. Uh, and that. Um and like um Ben said earlier on that it, you know we we just we've prayed before we go out uh, at with a pub uh, over a coffee we've read some Bible and we just felt that you know uh, god Holy Spirit leading us to a certain part of town, and we would bump into people, but it would the, the really strong sense of God being ahead of us. And that we just turn up and we 'd be there in a situation, and afterwards we'd reflect on it and think, "Wow, how did that happen it just suddenly we were in this situation and and this happened or a healing happened, and um somebody sort of uh, confirmed something that we were we've been praying about and and it's like he makes Jesus makes it easy for us he just get, um he just wants us to be have a heart of obedience and to rock up do um make do our um, our bit in it, and he does the rest. And it's, re- I and mean, in some ways, it's really easy. And he's doing all the work. But afterwards, it's like we we've been done doing it, but we know we haven't. And um, and that's just through faith and prayer and, and trusting. Um, and with this chap, uh, Jake, he's moved to another area now, um, and we just you know keep praying for him uh, that-, that God's doing the work uh, and he's being watered. Uh, with the, you know, circumstances in his life, people come alongside him, circumstances that would reveal more of of Jesus in his life. Um, so, but, um, I I think the, 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 the the sort of headache side of it is that you are, uh, you can be, have a a meeting in a, in somebody's house, um, and they still have a drink issue. They may be just, um, uh, involved with, still involved with drugs, um, but you've you've handed them over to to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But and does it tear your hair hair out to listen to, listen to them and their struggles, and that they, they do irrational stuff still? Yes, it does. Um, it it does wind you up. But you're there with broken people, and uh, it 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 really um, it's a real struggle to be with them. But you feel the the presence of the Holy Spirit being in there, saying yes, you stay here. You you. Um, um keep to that uh, commitment with them on a weekly basis and you do you walk out the building sometimes and you go why did they do this why do they think like that why did they why can't they do you know but it's a lo- it's a long term uh, process and um we've just got to just stand and play our part and let see jesus do it um because he has the long term plan ultimately um, yeah, thanks, Sian, for
0: sharing very honestly about what it's like to be making disciples. Mm-hmm. I, I always think it's a lot like raising our own children. Um, you know, there's great heartache and great joys, but actually it's a lifelong commitment to give ourselves for the development of, of others. And, um, you know, I often use the illustration, you know, what would you think of of a dad who had his own children and just kept them? in his house for the whole life and didn't let them grow or develop you'd think that that father was sick Mm. you know actually making disciples is is taking on the care of of new believers and new disciples but helping them to develop and empowering them to start their own spiritual families Mm -hmm. and make disciples um i wanted to touch on um another another headache and it's something that you know through talking to people involved with mission and church planting um, around the country in different places and also you know as a team here Um, and it's the headache that actually jesus said that the harvest is is too big for us and um you know lots of people that i talk to um i believe are thinking that if we train enough christians and we inspire and pray for enough christians and if God does something amazing in existing churches, then the world's gonna be reached. And I actually think that is not gonna I don't I think that's not true. I don't think if our if our hope for God's plan for the world rests on there being enough Christians, then I'm sorry, but here in the UK in particular, that isn't gonna happen. And you know, here in Somerset there's around a million people. And you know, as a team we want to see all of those people given an opportunity to know about Jesus. And um there's a small team of us, there's only a very small team of us. And the the harvest is too great for people like me, Damien, to go around everywhere, to be in all of these gatherings and all of these churches and to baptize everybody. And actually, that is a big headache. And we actually have had to pray and think, how do we how do we do things in a way that will empower others? And Jan touched on one aspect is that we need to introduce people to the person of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. because we can't be there physically in all these people's homes all the time. And we also need to give people a pattern of what to do when when they gather, so they can do it without us. So we try and remember to 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 plant into these new communities that are forming the person of the Holy Spirit and a pattern of of how we meet together. Um, And maybe we can go into that at another time.
2: I just wanted to ask you, Ben, a question. Sure. Maybe you want to elaborate about this. Um, You were were sharing something here, maybe two, three Saturdays ago. Can you share that again about how many people came to Jesus? In the last how many years? Uh,
0: In the last five years in Somerset, uh, directly through the work that we've been doing through Mission Somerset, 40 people have been baptised. So that doesn't count some of the baptisms that have happened through people we've trained in other churches or people that we've trained, uh, maybe they've come to Somerset and we've trained them and then they've gone back to their own places and have been baptised. And, um, you know, I'm the kind of person... If I'm being really honest, nothing is ever enough um you know i'm I'm the kind of person who is always thinking we want we want to see more, but we were having a team gathering and and some guys on the team said, "Wow, I don't think actually some of the the bigger churches in our era and by big, I mean two hundred people um you know they haven't seen forty people baptized in the last five years, and actually we're a fairly small team so it was actually quite encouraging because we're not so concerned about how many people are being baptised. Our concern is that we are training people to be disciples and you know all of those people that have been baptised, yes some of them have fallen away, some of them have moved away but the vast majority of people are still here in Somerset meeting together with us when we gather once a month um, and who are still looking to spread the kingdom through their households, the people they know people they work with people in their homes um people in their families so it's quite encouraging but we want to see so much more we want to see you know the the churches and the disciples that have have been formed we want to see them growing and multiplying so we want to equip all of these guys that we're not the disciple makers they they're the disciple makers we're serving we're serving these churches and these disciples so that they they can continue the work where we're not and with the people
2: that they know but we don't know. Uh-huh. So, I just wanted to share uh, four things. This is uh, something uh, maybe on what Ben was talking about. I hope it inspires you. Is um, Maybe you know the guy. He's called Richard Rumbrand. And uh, it really touched me when he said... Uh, Billy Graham wasn't one of the greatest preachers, even though he brought millions to God. He says there was someone who was greater than him. And I was thinking, who is he? I surely should know. And then Richard Rumran says this name that I never even heard. I don't even remember it. And he says, Do you know who the guy was? And I'm thinking, come on, tell us. And he says, he's the guy who baptized Billy Graham. And it just hit me that all that man's... Life was invested in one person. But that one person brought millions to God. And as Richard Wumran was sharing that, I was remembering where Richard Wumran came. And uh, a guy in Romania, in the forest, in a very rural village, had one prayer. said, Lord, I'm too old to go anywhere to share the word of God. But please, Lord, send me a Jewish person. I want to convert a Jewish to you. And... uh, Richard woman says, I don't even know how I got there. I just felt like the Spirit was leading me to go in a village that I never even wanted to be there. And when he got there, he was an atheist. He became one of the strongest Christians that ever existed. And his life of suffering for Christ leads by example. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is we are looking for those same people. Is that right, guys? Uh,
0: yeah, I think yeah. that's a good story. I mean, Jesus told the parable some you know some people call it the parable of the sower in um i think is it Matthew 13 and Mark chapter 4 and Jesus said i think in the version of Mark he said if you don't understand this parable you can't understand any of the parables and you know that parable talks about the the seed the word of the kingdom being sown amongst all different types of soil um you know, and what's interesting is obviously one type of soil the seed doesn't even get into the ground and is taken away, and that's like people not even hearing, but all three of the other types of soil you know they it says that they receive the seed, so I think here's the challenge is that actually, as Damien said, we want to find good soil people, right we want to find people that, despite the challenges that come with following jesus that they they overcome these things and they actually impact other people they gather other people they disciple more people and that's who we're looking for in somerset and we found lots of them because they're there if we're prepared to go to them and and live with the mess that comes with that but here's the challenge if we invest our time and energy and get excited about people who only hear the message, we might miss that fourth soil type of people. We could spend all of our time with people that, yeah, they hear the message and they receive it, but but they don't really do anything about it, or they're constantly dealing with all worries and everything, and it says that actually they're not fruitful. So what we've had to learn as a team, and what I personally have had to learn, is to look for people who not only are receptive, but people who are going to be fruitful when the rubber hits the road and let's be honest, we're trying to be those kind of people ourselves. Um, but if we can look beyond just the the surface level of we're not just looking for people who are open to listening to us or people who are going to be nice to us. We're looking for people who are really going to take in the word of God and allow it to work deeply in their lives and allow it to affect those people that are around them. Because if we do, that one scene could lead to 30, 60 or 100 fold fruit. So when we say we're looking for people of peace, as Damon has said, they, those are the kind of people we're looking for. And they don't fall into your lap. You know, we don't find ready-made disciple makers. We have to make them disciple makers. We have to teach them and admonish them like a father does to her children. Um, you know, Paul writes when he was with, um, I think, was it the Thessalonians? I'm not, I can't remember. He was like a, a mother nursing his children. And like Damien said, you know, a mother nursing her children looks like demand feeding all through the night and being there and pouring themselves into to her children. And that's the kind of thing we're talking about. And that's why there's great harvest and there's great headaches. Um, Jan, did you want to add anything as we come to
1: the end? Um, I was just thinking of um, just as people are, are listening uh, to us, um... And, and just to um uh and to take on board what we've been saying about reaching out and uh stepping out for Jesus. Uh and um yeah, and, and this week uh, I just pray that you're prompted to uh and it may feel like an, an impossible thing, but uh it could be a neighbor, it could be somebody down your street, somebody at a bus station, a bus stop. Um uh, just pray about that God give you the right words to start a conversation and to speak to them something about Jesus. Or it may be just to uh, pray for them. You may see them sort of walking around limping or uh, or have a barred arm. Uh, but just offer to pray for them and show the power of Jesus can uh, move. And, um, and it'll be in a moment to share the gospel uh, with them. So it, I just pray that you would do that right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, and that um, you would um, uh, uh, send us a message, say, you know, what's happened, what you've done this week, or it could be something that might have happened a year ago, but a, an anecdote of uh, how you just reached out and whether you were uh, rebuffed or that it was, it was taken up in, in some shape or form. But uh, it'd be great to have some feedback of, um, of uh, reaching the lost uh, in your week this week. All right. So, yeah, thank you for that. Okay. Thanks for
0: that prayer, Jan. So, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed um, this week's episode. Uh, remember, you can find out more about Mission Somerset through our website, www.missionsomerset.co.uk. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching in Mission Somerset. And um, the last thing we want to say is when Peter um, preached and Shared God's message with all of the people in Acts. He said, this message is not only for you, it's for your family, uh, for your children and for all those who are far off. So this podcast isn't just for your enjoyment. Uh, we'd love you to pass it on to other people because we want the kingdom to spread and to spread and to keep spreading. So God bless you and, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, Thank bye. you. Bye. 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 Yeah,
2: bye.